0: Who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text just news to 989898 98 98 right now. Hello, America, and happy Friday and the second day of the CPAC conference here in Washington, D.C. at the National Harbor Hotel. It's a remarkable few days. We have a lot of access to people that sometimes are hard to get a hold of. Today, we've got a special treat for you. We're going to open up the podcast with a long discussion that Amanda Head and I had yesterday with former UN ambassador, former South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley. She's thrown her hat into the ring. She is running respectfully against Donald Trump, not criticizing him. Actually, you'll hear in the interview, she spent some time praising him and saying he got a lot of things right. It's important to understand his policy successes. We're going to have that for the first couple blocks of the show today. It's a very substantive interview, everything from how to reform the education system to how to stop sending U.S. foreign aid, U.S. tax dollars to enemies in the globe who actually turn around and use it to oppose the United States or harm the United States like Iran. So, wow, really very powerful interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. We're going to start the podcast with that. And then we're going to take you down to the border because on a day-by-day basis, as you heard from Mark Morgan and all the other great people that have come on this show, the border continues to grow in the crisis that it is posing. It is really a significant scourge on the American conscience, on the American safety, on the American tax bill and the future national security of our country. And so we're going to spend some time with Brandon Judd. He's the president of the union that represents Border Patrol agencies. a straight talker, no bones about him. He tells you what he thinks, what he's doing, and why it matters. We're going to get to him in the second half of the show. I'm really looking forward to that as well. So we got a good show today. We'll start with national security and presidential politics and end with the very real issue of what's going on at the border, the fentanyl, all that is happening top to bottom a really, really powerful show coming back when we're done. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll start off with former UN ambassador and South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley, right after these messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Folks, Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre prepared, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. That's uh, the code JustNews50 at Factormeals.com. One more time, Factormeals.com slash JustNews50. Use the JustNews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Joining us right now, she wowed South Carolina as its governor, blazed the path for federalism and conservatism in that great state, then went to the United Nations and got the United States some more dignity there. And now she is running for president against her old boss, Donald Trump, and many others. Joining us right now, former UN ambassador, Nikki Haley. Adam, ambassador, great to have you here today.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Congratulations on the launch of your uh, campaign. A lot of buzz about it. Some really big ideas already coming out of the campaign, starting with the idea it's time to review our foreign aid, realign it with our values. How's the reaction been today?
1: You know, it started in the United Nations after we had the vote of moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and the United States was heavily condemned. I went back to my staff and I said, I want you to put a book together. I want you to list all 193 countries. The second column should be the percentage of times they vote with us and against us. And the third column should be how much foreign aid we give them. And I took that book and I gave it to President Trump and he lost his mind. He's flipping pages, (laughs) calling out countries. And I said that what I'm trying to tell you is it's not that we give aid based on a percentage vote but we need to be smart about how we give aid. We gave $46 billion in foreign aid last year. We're giving money, assuming we can buy friends. You can't buy friends. Stop giving money to countries that say death to America. We gave it to Iraq, where they sit there and hold hands with the Iranian terrorists that are saying that. Pakistan, that used to harbor terrorists that would kill our soldiers. Communist China, communist Cuba. Zimbabwe, the most anti-American country at the United Nations. Why are we doing that? Let's focus on our friends and our allies and stop giving money to countries just because it's a weak look that we do it. Think about what that says to China, that Mm -hmm. we're giving them money for their environment. It's ludicrous. As president, I'll stop all of that. And it seems to be that in
2: those instances, there are no goals, there's no end point. And so I wanted to ask you about, you know, you've been very supportive of our involvement in Ukraine and for a lot of people, they look at that and they say, why are we spending money there? And the Biden administration has had a very hard time defining
1: what that goal is. What's the victory there? What do you what do you think the victory looks like? It's not a war for Ukraine. It's a war about freedom, and it's a war we have to win. I don't think we need to send money to Ukraine. I don't think we need to send troops to Ukraine. I think we need to work with our allies to give them the ammunition and equipment to win. If we win this war in Ukraine, it sends a message to Russia, China, Iran, and every enemy that wants to hurt the West and kill freedom. If we lose this, Then we need to believe dictators and take them at their word russia has said poland and the baltics are next it would go into a world war we're trying to prevent war so what we need to do now is make sure we give ukraine everything they need to win and when they do that that's when freedom will win again
0: and you have a confidence that we can do that. We can arm the Ukrainians and they can pull this off. You, I think you're a little skeptical when Janet Yellen goes over and says, we're gonna do all the nation building for you too. That's not in your baby. No, way
1: you don't wanna get into nation building, What you wanna make sure, and it's a lot, look at what the Ukrainians are doing on, on their own. I mean, Russia has fallen so far when they're getting drones from Iran and missiles from North Korea. They've raised the draft age to 65. Hundreds of thousands of Russians have left that country. Putin knows he's starting to lose. What I wish is Biden would have acted sooner. That was Mm -hmm. the key. And this all started with Obama when he did nothing when they moved into cry me in the first place. A strong America prevents wars. And you do that with a strong military. You do it by having the backs of your friends and you do it by adding more alliances with you and getting other countries to help as well. That's right.
2: Okay, speaking of military action, Mexico, our southern border, that's the tip of the spear. But we have seen this growing surge of fentanyl coming across our border. Last year it was nearly 14,000 pounds, and now it's just barely March, and we are almost at that level. Like I said, Mexico is the tip of the spear, but it comes from China. Do you support military action to for the war on fentanyl?
1: Well, I think, first of all, you made the right point. It's coming from China. We need to start making China pay for what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing and why they're sending it over. And the way you do that is you secure the border. Let's secure the border. Let's go back to remain in Mexico. Let's stop catch and release, but let's go a step further. Do what we did in South Carolina. We passed an Arizona-style e-verify program that said, anyone that any business that hired someone they had to be legal and if they didn't they were punished let's stop giving illegal immigrants jobs let's stop giving illegal immigrants money and let's start focusing on our own citizens that's when they'll stop coming they stopped coming to South Carolina because they knew they couldn't get a job right. they'll stop trying to cross the border when they know they can no longer get money or a job mm-hmm.
0: take away the incentive, take away the bad behavior that's what right. always works in politics and policy um, I want to talk a little bit about China a little bit more. It is clearly the dominant threat of the future. Uh, we, we Republicans like you have been in the leadership on this for a long time. But more recently, we're seeing Democrats, maybe because Nancy Pelosi's thumb is off the scale, joining Republicans saying, we agree with you. There's a problem here. China proofing this economy is going to be a big task. How would you go about doing that?
1: Well, I think you first acknowledge that China is our number one national security threat. Mm-hmm. And you should look at it from a national security perspective with the economy I don't care if Americans buy t-shirts and light bulbs from China any more than I care if China buys our agricultural products. But let's look at the national security items. When we had COVID and everybody wanted you to put on a mask, the masks were made in China. When they wanted you to take a COVID test, the COVID tests were made in China. When you have to get medications, your medications are from China. Look at where the national security threats are and let's tackle that first. But let's do it from an entire look at China. They're building up their military. They have the largest naval fleet in the world. They have more air defense systems than we do. They are buying up thousands of acres of farmland, which we should put a stop at immediately. 350,000 acres, most recently near Grand Forks Air Force Base, Mm -hmm. where our most sensitive um, drone technology is. Then you go and you look at the fact that they are continuing to kind of add and be total friends with Russia. Iran is their junior partner. Let's call them out on all the intellectual property that they're stealing. Let's build our military. Let's go to our colleges and universities and say, you either take Chinese money, you take American money, but you don't get both. Let's make that stop and let's put an end to it. And for God's sake, we can never, ever, have Americans look to the sky and see a Chinese spy balloon looking back at us. That was a national embarrassment, but it showed the arrogance of China Mm -hmm. and it showed their seriousness. Let's hold them accountable for COVID. Let's hold them accountable for the fentanyl that's coming across and let's let them know what we expect of them instead of being reactive. When we do that, that's when we'll start to see them take shape. Absolutely. All right, let's check some more adversaries off the list. Speaking
2: of Iran and, and Russia, we are seeing this growing alliance between them. Very concerning. Then we learned, what, yesterday that uranium particles enriched to 84 percent were found in an underground nuclear facility in Iran. How terrifying is that? How do you shut it
1: down? I know you've talked about the Iran nuclear deal on day one, shredding it. Can you expound on that? It was great to get out of the Iran deal. The president was exactly right to do it, and I fought hard to help make that happen. But what I'll tell you is we knew any money going to Iran was going to feed that nuclear program. So stopping that money flow was very important. And they were also spreading it through their terrorist proxies, So Mm -hmm. we didn't want that to happen. The situation now is we cannot let Iran get the bomb. And the reason we can't do it is this is a regime that says death to America, death to Israel every day. That culture is not going to stop. So we need to get with our allies. Let's get with Israel, but not just Israel. Let's get with our Gulf Arab partners. This is just as much of a threat to Saudi Arabia and those as the rest. Let's get together. Let's say, what's the plan? How are we going to stop them? Let China know that if they go and try and help Iran, which they're doing now, that they will also have hell to pay. When we do that, that's when you prevent anything from happening. I mean, and at the end of the day, I'll go back. A strong military doesn't start wars. A strong military prevents wars. When you do that and get alliances and get a plan, everybody will start to back off.
2: If I could follow up, um, because you mentioned, mentioned Israel, there have been conversations in Israel, substantial conversations, about a preemptive strike. Is it time that we follow Israel with that?
1: Do you blame them? Mm-mm. I mean, when they look at this, it's right on their border. I think what we need to be doing is we need to have Israel's back. Mm-hmm. And now that we've had the Abraham Accords, let's get other Arab countries to have Israel's back, too. And let's do this in a way that it's not Israel fighting this alone, because it's in the best interest of American national security to do this. Because when they say death to America, they mean it. Mm-hmm. Let's not let them get us before we can
0: get them. Mm-hmm. Such a great idea. Um, a few months ago, I was talking to New King, Richard. I- excuse me, on the podcast, and he said the biggest mistake he had made as speaker was going ahead and getting rid of MFN and giving normal trade privileges to China took a lot of leverage away. At the time, it seemed like a good idea. With all that we're seeing China go in, is trade one of those areas, maybe taking those privileges off the table, making an annual renewal, something that could come back to maybe send a message to China? I think first, let's
1: talk to our American companies. Let's work with the CEOs. What we know is President Xi started a commission, and he said any company that does business in China has to cooperate with the Chinese military. Think about our tech companies. Think about all of our financial data, all of our health care data, our children's lifestyle data, and now know that the Chinese military has it. We need to be prepared. We need to assume if a Russia-Ukrainian situation happened tomorrow, would we be ready? That's why rather than being dependent on China, let's look at India, let's look at Japan, mm-hmm. let's look at Australia, let's look at Israel. Let's start getting things from our partners that we don't have to worry will pull the rug out from under us. Stop depending on countries that you know are waiting to use that as leverage. There's a
0: big mm-hmm. opportunity to strengthen our ties with India at this moment. Do you think yeah. the Biden administration is missing a big opportunity?
1: I do think they're missing a big opportunity. And the reason I think India is staying neutral in all of this, they don't trust that America will win. Think about that, they yeah. don't trust America will win. When they see America strong, that's when we see people move. It has always been the case, when America speaks, the world listens. When America acts, the world follows. Who we are, the world wants to be when we're strong. Right now, we look so distracted yeah. and the rest of the world doesn't know what to make of us.
0: Yeah. All right, folks, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. More with former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley right after this message.
2: I think John and I would love to talk foreign policy with you all day long, but we do have to switch gears to the election. Uh, I love your perspective because you have such a diverse perspective of party politics. You served, obviously, as governor and then the South Carolina House and then ambassador to the UN. For the Republican Party going into 2024, what are some of the biggest issues that they are going to have to tackle before the election?
1: I think you have to look at the economy We're thirty $31 trillion in debt when you're borrowing money just to make your interest payments. You know that's a problem. 1 in 6 Americans can't pay their utility bill. 50% of Americans say that they are off worse off today than they were a year ago, mm. and our kids will never forgive us for this. We have to start paying down the debt, and Republicans and Democrats have a responsibility here. They are both feeding at the trough. They opened up earmarks. They're spending like drunken sailors. Right. Let's balance a budget. Let's do what I did as governor of South Carolina. You cut the spending, you cut the debt, and you say we're going to live within our means. Mm. You look at education, I mean, our kids have lost so much pre-COVID, 70% of eighth graders in our country were not proficient in reading. Mm -hmm. Think about that. We've got to go and really focus on education again. In South Carolina, we said that if a child can't read by third grade, they don't go on to the fourth grade. We need to do that across the country. We need to add school choice, and we need to put parents back in charge. When it comes to crime on our streets, let's have the backs of our law enforcement. Let's get the numbers of our criminals. Let's make sure that we're getting law and order back together for our streets so that kids can be safe. Let's close the border. I mean, for God's sake, all the money we're losing, all the crime that we're feeling, every bit, every state is a border state now. Close the border. Let's do what I did in South Carolina, pass E-Verify across the country so that businesses can't hire illegals. Mm-hmm. And finally, let's get strong again on the world stage. Let's show the entire world that America's back, that she's strong and they're, that she's proud. But more than that, the biggest issue I have is this creeping into socialism and this national self-loathing that we're seeing. For the first time, 50% of Americans are saying they don't think their kids will be better off than they were. That is so sad. That's not okay. We have to do this. I'm doing this for my children as much as everybody else. I've got a daughter who is getting married, and I see how hard it is for them to buy a home. I've got a son in college, and I see that he's writing papers he doesn't believe in because he's got to get an A. We have to snap out of it. It's time for a new direction. It's time for a new approach. I was a two-term governor that took a hurting double-digit unemployment state and made it an economic powerhouse. I was an ambassador with 192 other countries, and I took the kick-me sign off of our back. It's time for a new direction, a new generation, and it's time to get this all together and get United States strong again.
0: Today is a big day for Republicans in Congress They introduce a parents' rights bill at the federal level, Kevin McCarthy, the whole caucus behind it. There's a lot of ideas that you implemented in South Carolina to move education along. There's new ones coming out, like making taxes portable so that if you want to take your kid to a private school, you can do that sort of the next evolution of school choice. What would you do as president to foster those sort of changes?
1: We should do everything we can to give parents the right to choose what's the best education for their children. What you see the Democrats doing, they talk down to people. I don't care what the educational level is of a parent. They know what their children need and they should be able to make that decision. Both of my children are totally different. They need different things. Parents should be able to decide that. And so I think we need school choice across this country. When we do that, not only are you giving parents choices and kids choices, you're giving teachers choices. Mm -hmm. And the teachers don't like having to go through all this. I mean, whether you the critical race theory that if the, a five year old girl goes into school, if she's white, you're telling her she's bad. And if she's brown or black, you're telling her she's never going to be good enough and she's always right. going to be a victim. Yeah. What about the, the gender issues we saw in Florida the don't say gay bill? People are up in arms. But all it said is you can't talk to anyone under third grade about gender. I don't think that went far enough. When I was in seventh grade, that's when we had sex ed. And even then you had to have a parent sign right. a permission slip yeah. and my dad wouldn't sign it. So I was the uncool kid in the I class next door. So you know, that is what parents should be doing. Mm-hmm. They should be teaching about all of those things. School should be teaching math science, history, and making sure they're developing responsible citizens. That's what we have to do to get back on track.
2: And I think that absolutely resonates because no one wants to co-parent with the government. The government, they're they're not good parents as we have seen over the course of history. Um, You brought up the self-loathing and it brings up an issue that Republicans face in the last few election cycles as far as young voters because we do kind of see this self-loathing as generations progress. You see a smaller percentage who are patriotic and love America. How do you bring in those young voters?
1: You know, it goes to the heart of the Republican Party. We've lost the last seven out of eight popular votes for president. Republicans should not be okay with that. We should want to get a majority of America with us because our solutions are the right ones. They lift up everyone, not just a select few. And what you're seeing with the younger generation, my kids can tell you, they're tired of seeing all the back and forth. If you look in the midterms, The independents, the younger voter, the suburban women, what did they see? They saw Republicans fighting each other and the Democrats. It looked like chaos. They don't want that. Let's give them something they can feel good about. Let's show them that we need patriotism again. Let's do the Pledge of Allegiance in our schools again. Let's make sure our veterans feel appreciated. Let's make sure we have the backs of law enforcement. And let's go back to like when we were kids, where life was simple, but you loved your country, you loved your family, and you loved your church. That's what we need to get back to. And I think when we do that and we leave the drama and the status quo behind, behind, and we say it's time for a new generation in a new direction, Republicans will show the entire country, not that our party is better, but that our country is better.
0: The, um, when you took on education reform in South Carolina, of course, you always run into the teachers' unions. They've got a lot of juice. They often don't represent the views of their teachers, or They mm-hmm. represent the views of the Democratic Party. They've become so powerful, we saw a ranting, raving teachers union leader on the Supreme Courts the other day. That was
1: something else. It really
0: was. It was was something. Um, How do you try to neutralize that? How do you communicate to teachers that you respect what they do, but the unions are getting in the way of their success?
1: what I did in South Carolina. When we've tried to one pass the the bill about kids being able to read in third grade, the other thing I did was try and reform the funding formula, which was how do we lift up challenged areas without bringing the wealthy Mm. areas down? And the only way I could do it is I met with teachers, I met with school boards, I met with the unions, I met with all of them and I said, this is where I'm trying to go, this is what we need to do. I heard them out, I heard every bit of it, but then I said, if you want this to happen, we all have to be part of the solution and that's how we got it done. And what you do is you take the unions out of it because when you go straight to the teachers, straight to the principals, straight to the school boards, guess what? If they're talking to you, there's really not a means for the for them to have unions. And so I bypassed the unions and went straight to the people that had to be in the classroom that had to do it.
0: strategy was pretty historic Amazing. at the time. It Amazing. Amazing. It was important. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. And and we've loved seeing you talk about policy. I've loved seeing you
2: traverse the country. It's incredible. Um, and we are obviously about to be in the thick of primary
1: season, everybody getting out across the country, throwing their name uh, in the ring. How do you beat Donald Trump in the primary? Well, you know, first of all, he's my friend. I was proud to serve with him. I think we did great foreign policy together. And this is the fact that I just think we need to go in a different direction. I don't think you have to be 80 years old to serve in Washington. And. What's interesting is whether it was in South Carolina or New Hampshire or Iowa, what I saw is that voters very much respect what he did, appreciate the work they did. We all know he was the right president, the right team. but they're ready for options. They want to know there's something more than just Biden and Trump. They want to know what else is out there. And that's what I'm trying to do is prove a new direction and say, let's leave the status quo and the drama of the past. And let's really start riding the ship and get it going in the, in the right direction.
0: You more than any candidate or really any Republican in the national uh, spotlight today has talked about the need to get women and young voters back into the Republican Party. It's a big yeoman's task because there's a whole generation of students that grew up in a school system that told them to think liberal. Uh, how do you start to reverse that trend? You look at the last election, married men, unmarried men, married women all voted Republican. There was a national preference for Republicans. But unmarried women, young people, 70% against the Republican tickets. How do you reverse that?
1: Don't forget this is about trust. Don't forget this is someone that can speak to them, not talk down to them, but speak to them. This is a story about addition. We need to get the Hispanic community. We need to get the Jewish community. We need to get the Asian community. We need women. We need African-Americans. We need all of them, all ages. And the way you do that is you go and say, what do you care about? And guess what? They all care about their kids' education. They all want them to have opportunities they didn't have. They all want a safe America that's strong abro- abroad. Younger generations, they want to know that, yes, we do care about the environment. And we can tell them, look, we're going to do that, but we got to get China and India to do their part, too. They want to know that we're not going to be a country that's constantly fighting each other, but a country they can be proud of. And they want to be a part of that solution. We've got to pull them in and say, let's make our country proud and strong. And when we do that, they do want to invest. We've got to talk to them. We've got to communicate. And I'm willing to do that. I did it in South Carolina. Now I'm ready to do it around the country.
2: Okay. We've just got a few minutes left. Speaking of investing, John and I talked about this in the last week, the latest Treasury report about how much investment, U.S. investment is going to China. So we'll bring it home with another conversation about China. How do you shut and that down? As the and blacklist yeah. companies. companies
0: are on the blacklist. Still yeah. got the money. Yeah.
1: I mean, stop the insanity. Stop the insanity. It goes beyond, first of all, you know, they're spending terribly in DC. They're so out of touch, which is why we need term limits. Why we need to have mental competency tests for anyone over 75. But the fact that they're spending 15% of our federal budget's interest, quit borrowing. And then look at who you're borrowing from. Look at what you're doing. The same way we don't want to give foreign aid to countries that say they hate us. Don't go and become dependent in another way. I've seen what China has done. All these countries that they went and did these projects for, when they couldn't pay it, they went and said, "Okay, you can't pay it. Give us your port. Mm -hmm. Give us your military installation. Give us your utility. That's what they will do. Don't let anyone blackmail us like Russia did to the Europeans. Let's start to get strong on our own. And the only way we'll do that is get term limits in there. Let's right the ship and let's put a fire under Congress.
0: All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Brandon Judd, the head of the Border Patrol Agents Union, a real straight talker when it comes to the border. What's going on? What needs to be done? How bad is it going to get? Is there a shell game going on? We're going to cover all of that in the next few minutes right after this commercial break. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out or a family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered... That scammer has forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home
2: Welcome back, everybody, to Real America's voice coverage of CPAC 2023. We are here in Washington, D.C. Usually it's John in D.C., me in L.A., and then very often we love having uh, former border chief president, Brandon Judd. Uh, Current.
0: Current. Current. Yeah, current.
3: Yes, I am the current
2: we uh we have you on so often to talk about these issues and it seems like every time we have you on there is a new drug bust uh, more numbers coming out about human trafficking fentanyl overdoses in the country um, I know that you are here to talk to people about the border crisis and everybody seems to have a number of solutions is it going back to former policies what what's what's the best way to navigate it
3: uh, it's got to start with policy when you look at what what's currently happening if we if we had the proper policy we could control the border right now we don't need more funds we don't need to to have the taxpayers give us more money we just need proper policy and if this administration would give us that policy we could control the border but we don't have that and that's why we're seeing all of the
0: chaos that currently exists right now it's unreal. Uh, a few weeks ago, when we were all watching the China spy, uh, traverse the country, some bad news came to the Border Patrol, the Biden administration pulling back the use of aerostats significantly. Yeah. Tell us how that endangers your colleagues, the men and women of the Border Patrol. So the aerostats are an extremely effective tool. What they
3: do is they see what we otherwise can't see. Right. And when they can see that, they can put us in on those groups. We can we can find the fentanyl that's being brought in. Right. We can find those criminal aliens that are coming in. But without those aerostats, we become more blind in certain areas. And that's why they're so important. But when you look at the reasoning that they gave for pulling down those aerostats, it, it, it's complete BS. It's yeah. just one more thing that clearly shows that they're encouraging
0: all of this chaos that exists. Uh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt.
2: Yeah, Brandon, earlier this week, we saw numerous people testify on the House floor about the border crisis. People who were affected by it directly. A mom who lost two sons uh, to what she called chemical poisoning as a result of fentanyl. For Border Patrol agents, I imagine that has got to feel crushing to see something like that knowing that you guys legally if the president would allow you to you could do something and yet it slips through and then we have people like that in Congress.
3: Yeah and and that's what's really it it breaks us down. Every single time we put that uniform on we're going out there because we want to protect the American people. We want to keep them safe but we can't do it if we don't have the proper policy. So every single time that we hear somebody die of fentanyl it comes back to us and we think we could have stopped that. We could have stopped if we would have had the proper policy you know I, I testified before the um, two subcommittees um, two weeks ago and what I heard the Democrats constantly say was well it's a demand problem if we didn't have the demand here in the United States this wouldn't be happening no the problem is the supply if we stop the supply then we won't have the demand right. there's always going to be children that are going to experiment that's uh, that's part of learning we, we grow up and we learn right. and we experiment with certain things and that's going to happen but they should not experiment and die yeah. because of these dangerous drugs that are coming in so if we stop the supply yeah. then this all goes away
2: well and so often it's not even someone trying an illicit drug it's it's yes. because of the yep. inflate of inflation and the economy they can't afford to buy it from their regular yep. pharmacy so they find what they think online is a legitimate pharmacy and then yeah. it's laced again
0: yeah um, uh, a lot of times China gets left out of the conversation at the border but they're the starting point certainly for the fentanyl precursors they are, are uh, how much intelligence do you see? How much information do you see of China really helping the cartels make this a horror story for America? Every single time
3: you see China get involved in anything, it becomes exponentially worse. And what we're seeing right now, and and starting about two years ago, we saw China jumping into into these transnational criminal organizations. It's not going to be long before China takes over these cartels. It's not going to be Mexican cartels anymore. It's going to be Mexican cartels that are controlled by China and doing their bidding. And that's the very scary part about border security, and that's one of the reasons why border security is so important yeah. to the American people. you got to keep China out of everything. Yeah, yeah. we do.
2: Um, as far as the numbers, so last year, I believe the number was about 14,500 pounds of fentanyl across the border. It's March third, uh, and we are almost at that level already. Throughout the Biden administration, the message has been that the border is open. I'm curious why this year, I mean, it was almost like you flipped over the calendar and they kicked it in the fifth gear. Why?
3: Uh, so, what we're seeing is is day over day, week over week, month over month, we're seeing things being ramped up. We're, yeah, seeing thing, yeah. we're seeing even more chaos on the border. We're seeing a lot of rhetoric coming out of the White House. We're seeing them saying, well, we're going to implement this rule, and of course, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they then cover for them, oh, the Biden administration is going to Trump-era policies. And that is not true. That's absolutely not true. In fact, if you break down this rule that, this, that the administration put out, it does absolutely nothing. It's just going to encourage even more people to come across. And once Title 42 goes away in May, it's going to explode even worse. And that's, uh, again, it's just, it's monstrous to think that this administration knows what it needs to do, but it just won't do it.
0: Yeah, time and again. And it seems like now they're playing a game of math manipulation. Yeah. If you take the aerostats away, you can't count as many gotaways. That's so that right. number's going to go down. Yep. And the asylum rule, which everybody in the media portrayed, oh, he's finally getting tough. All it does is tell those people, avoid the border. Come into a port of yep. entry. We're going to have fake numbers for a long time that are going to underestimate what's really going on, right? Well, the the one thing that I'm very confident of is even those those aerostats are going to come down.
3: Yep. The Border Patrol agents, we're going to go out there and You're we're going to go find every single yeah. gotaway. We are. are going to find that. We're not going to let the administration whitewash the American people. We're going to let them know what's going on, because if we don't, nothing's ever going to get fixed. If you look at this rule that just came out, the only reason that they put this rule out is because they're getting a lot of pressure. They're getting a lot of pressure because you're covering it. They're getting a lot of pressure because you're covering it. And every single time the American people find out what's going on, they then put pressure on their politicians. And that's exactly what we need to happen. You're right. At the
2: border, there seems to me to be two problems on this. Uh, malfeasance, because I do think it's intentional, but I also think that there is some incompetence slash negligence as well. I think that it's a mix of the two. When you see how sophisticated the cartels run their operation at the border, is it safe to say that the cartels and their operation are more sophisticated and competent than our own government?
3: You know, it's it's amazing. They don't have to be sophisticated, believe it or not. They can they can use archaic rules um, to do what they're doing. Um, it's 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 very very. It's funny to see how they operate, but it's all based upon our policies. The ebbs and flows of these politics, what they can do is all based upon what we do here in the United States. And if we invite them to violate the laws, they're going to violate the laws. When you look around the United States right now, law enforcement, when you look at the crime, I mean, right now in Chicago, uh, you you know, you you look at all the crime that's there. Every single time you justify criminals, more crime is going to happen. And that's what this administration continues to do. So these these
0: organizations, they don't have have to be sophisticated because our policies allow them. I'm going to say something personal. My dad was in law enforcement for 46 years, retired as a chief. The first time he saw you on our show, he said, that's the sort of cop I would have wanted to be in the trenches. And he asked me this question to ask of you. What can the American people do in the absence of the Biden administration? What can we do to support your men and women, the guys you go to work with every day?
3: What we want to do is we want the handcuffs taken off of us. We want to put the handcuffs on the criminals. So the best thing that I can encourage all of your viewers, all of your listeners to do is write their congressman constantly. Bombard your congressman, especially if your congressman is a, is a Democrat. If your congressman is Republican, chances are they're they're probably trying to do something. But if their congressman is a Democrat, bombard their office, write op-eds, because the more these media outlets understand that there's an interest in this, right? the more cha- the more likely that it is that they're going to cover it. And right now, they're just not covering it. They're they are. I say cover, they're covering for this administration. That's That's what they're doing. doing. Hey, thank your father
0: for me. I really appreciate that. He thanks you for putting on that uniform, protecting us every day at that board. I know that. He was really impressed.
2: I think it's safe to say that in addition to the two of us, all of our viewers would want
0: you to pass on
2: the message to your men and women that they appreciate that we see them. It's it's important that they know that because I know morale has been going down and down and down.
3: It has. Mm -hmm. It has.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Justin News. So excited you could join us, so excited you could be in on some really insightful conversations. There's a lot of substance that occurred in these these conversations that we get to have. You hear ideas, not just what's wrong with the country, because people are tired of hearing what's wrong with it. We know what's wrong with it. You're starting to hear really substantive people step into the void and say, here is how we fix it. Here is how we fix it. And I think on a daily basis... We're learning more and more about the solutions that are starting to emerge in the free marketplace and the policy halls from the frontline people on the Border Patrol and the frontline people in the security space. Always lucky to have that. And I want to thank you for listening. We'll have special editions Saturday and Sunday from CPAC. And then on Monday, we're going to play a really interesting conversation that Amanda and I had with some folks about a very controversial case, the Keith Raniere Sex Case, this is a case where a man is accused and convicted of running some sort of a sex farm and targeting women and branding women. A lot of hideous stuff. But there is some very serious concerns about the FBI's conduct, particularly as it related to some digital photos that they said were evidence of child trafficking, child pornography. Lots of people coming forward, including current and former FBI experts. Alan Dershowitz, among them, former U.S. attorney from Little Rock, Bud Cummins, a lot of people saying, hey, this is a real problem. There seems to be signs of cheating manipulation of the evidence. And listen, the best test of a great judicial system is that it operates best even when it's facing one of its most heinous criminals, really deeply concerning stuff. We're going to have that for you on Monday. I think you're going to enjoy that. All right. Have a great weekend. We'll be back tomorrow with more coverage from CPAC. Until then, God bless you. And God bless this incredible country, the United States. As he always has, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from the News. the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free, you don't know, get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American citizenship and its decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hansen. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and... The threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. And it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out.